You are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss. I'm Ulysses Sembrano. Host of Locked On Rays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to Locked On Rays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Odyssey, and online at fanstreamsports.com. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play Locked On Rays. Also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Rays. And you can email us, LockedOnRays at gmail.com. Well, Ulysses, I said it yesterday and I'll say it again. The Baltimore Orioles, the gift that keeps on giving as your Tampa Bay Rays win nine to two, giving the Orioles, I think their 18th clunker or so of the year and also the Rays 12th victory in 13 games over the Orioles to uh, look the, the Rays continue to be the best team in the American League and tops in the ALE. So I don't know what people are nervous about. It's the Orioles, for God's sakes. Come on. You know it's going to uh, happen, let alone at the uh, trop. You know, it's, it's, it's that fear of saying something and then, and then it'll, you know, backfire all over your face. Uh, but no, look, the Rays have done exactly what every fan that has seen the Orioles play and the Rays play. Uh, that's what they got to do. They got to take care of business. They've got to do damage against the Orioles. If you are a world Se- a playoff contender, a world series contender, you cannot let the Orioles beat you. Minnesota. Fine. You're in Minnesota. You're it's weird yeah. with, with the, the, the open air. Fine. I'll take it. Maybe the food's really good. I know they've got really good cheese Big crowds. and nene stuff. Big crowds. There you go. You can do all the, the excuses. Okay. Minnesota is awesome too. I've been the, to Target Field and it's a great stadium, but Orioles at the top, you got to take care of business. And they exactly did that. And they did it in so many ways. Every starter, Kevin, got a hit. Every starter. Yeah. They were like, you know what? It's the Orioles. This is where I pump my stats up. Almost all of them got a home run, too, seemingly. <laughs> yes, there were five home runs in the ballgame. I will say maybe there was a little bit of nervousness and apprehension after the first couple innings where Matt Harvey is dealing. It's like, Oh, could this be a nationals mm-hmm. Austin Voth game where we say, ah, oh, this guy's got a terrible ERA and he shuts down the Rays." Of course that didn't happen. And then I think the Orioles took the lead first when Fleming was brought in after McHugh. So was it, it was almost a point like, here we go again. Now Fleming going <laughs> to struggle again. And Harvey's going to throw a gym, but things uh, flipped quickly, by the way. And uh, it, it's so funny. I mentioned the five home runs. I think that's tied for the most that the Rays have had this season. And we talked so much yesterday about Mike Zanino. And I think Brandon Lau wanted to be talked about on today's episode. He was like, fine. Yeah. Uh, Mike Zanino, 24, 25 home runs, catching position, whatever. I want my I want my talking points. I want my 27th and 28th homers of the year, and certainly he delivered. I got to say, uh, he has been a monster, a monster since the All Star break. And what I've noticed then, from him before then, it's been yeah. happening gradually. But yeah, you're right. After the All Star break, he has really turned it on. Kevin, uh, th- this is a guy who was struggling for so long, and now look at his line. 
233 average, 339 on base with an 835 OPS. 835 OPS. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 this is fantastic. The way that he has turned it around, 28 home runs, two last night. Uh, Bam Bam's got it going on. And this is a guy, look, we said this, I think maybe when he started heating up, maybe that was uh, two and a half weeks before the All-Star break, maybe. But when we had a green room, uh, I believe it was around the, the Atlanta series or maybe a little bit before. I, I told you. It, it, there were about 65 games. This guy was on fire for 60 games. For 60 games, he was the, the, the MVP of this team in 2020. He can really hit a streak where he can put the whole team on his back. This is exactly what he has done. He has just completely switched it. it look, in his last uh, f- seven games, I know small sample size people, but 400 average, 448 on base, a 920 slugging. He has just been murdering the ball. Yeah. And again, just to go back to what he's done since the all-star break, just to kind of break it up into a little bit bigger of a piece there. Uh, he is, oh my gosh, I lost my place here. Let me see if I can find it. This is great podcasting. Uh, 122 plate appearances since the all-star break. He's got a line of 301, 402, 583, 984 OPS, seven homers, wow. 20 RBIs as well. And you know what I really like? And we've started to see, like you mentioned, the gradual improvement or change of Brandon Lau. He's no longer flailing at the pitch up and away, down and away. We know that's his cold zone. We know that's not where he's supposed to be swinging. And I think he's finally started to realize that whatever he's doing, I think he's finished with the tinkering and trying to figure out what's going on with this swing. Because if you look at him right now, he is very settled in very calm the hands are in the ready position there's no wasted movement no huge hand load no huge leg kick like he's no matter if it's a a breaking ball or a 98 fastball he is pretty much in the ready position to hit and it almost seems like he's changed his approach yeah he's going to pull the ball that's what he's going to do but middle middle away is where he's looking more often too with that and you notice too sometimes is he's choking up with two strikes. So little things like that really can go a long way. Working the count, finding a mistake, capitalizing a mistake, especially if it's uh, middle, middle in belt high. That's his, that's his wheelhouse right there. And it's, it's great to see. If I had to choose a word to describe Brendan Lau right now, it would be deliberate. He, he, it, it looks like he has a plan. Just like with, we were talking about with, with Mike Zanino yesterday, with Brandon Lau, it's the same thing. There is, there, there aren't any swings now that you're thinking, wow, did he completely guess at that? What, what was he thinking? You know, swinging at that pitch. That's very rare now to see from Brandon Lau. He's locked in. Yeah. And, and again, these players, like Charlie has uh, has said to us last week, and and, and you guys are going to hear from him a little bit more. Um, Seven hundred spots, man. I mean, just the elite gets Mm -hmm. to be on so if you're talking about if 700 players are the elite of the world then the the people that can be mvps of a single team they're the elite of the elite and we talked about uh, i think preseason he was ranked was he 50 best player in mlb do you remember that ranking? i think so it was top 50 it was really darn hot if i recall yeah uh, exactly. So he's actually showing that he can be um, more than that. 
I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Yeah. And, and I can't wait to see the next six weeks because it, I, I really hope he doesn't hit a cold stretch because if, if he doesn't, if he keeps going, this race team yeah. could go, you know, 97, 98 wins, which was definitely not in the cards, Kevin. What's funny is I thought it'd be the opposite. I thought Brandon Lau would, his first half would be really, really hot. And then as you get to August and the dog days, and he hasn't really played a full season that he would start to wear down and break down. We know about his history of the, or the inability to keep on weight and strength, but he's just gotten stronger as the yeah. season's gone on. And I'm, I'm sure the all-star break, having some rest there helped in his standpoint, but at 111 games, I mean, he, if he can keep it up right now, by the way, do you know uh, where he ranks in home runs in the major leagues? In the major leagues, I would say he's around 12. He is eighth right now. Eight. Wow. The names ahead of him are Shoei Otani, Vladimir Guerrero, Fernando Tatis, Matt Olson, Salvador Perez, Rafael Devers, and Joey Gallo. After him, Adam Duvall, Marcus Simeon, Freddie Freeman, and there's like 15 guys tied with 26. But not bad for a second baseman. Not bad for a second baseman that's probably 5'9", 5'10", 175 pounds. And you mentioned it. One of the best, I mean, one of the best players in baseball. And sometimes it's a little change, a little adjustment. You look at Matt Whistler, for example, he goes over from the giants to the Rays. He changes his release point, a tad, a tad. Yeah. And that gives him more horizontal break on the slider. And now he's like a brand new player. And sometimes it's little things like that, that really go a long way with a ball player. And I know we've had this discussion. There's all this talk about uh, Taylor Walls and Vidal Brujan and finding spots for them, but I'm keeping Brandon Lau. I know he gets streaky, but I want him on this team for the long term, and I want him at yes. second base for the long term. I know the defense can be questionable at times, but that I like him where he's at right now, quite frankly. Uh, I'm I'm okay with keeping him in second base. Then that would just make Brujan a, a an outfield utility kind of guy, which is okay. I'd be yeah. all right with that. Um, yeah, you, you want this power and, and, you know, the thing about the power in 2021 with him is that he's been constant every, every month is five to seven home runs, five mm -hmm. to seven home runs. It, 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 it like clockwork in August, he already has six home runs people. It's August, what? 17th. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's still two more weeks. This could be the hottest, uh, you know, month for, for him. It's incredible, but I kind of want to switch gears here a little bit because it wasn't only be loud bam bam uh, i gotta give props to to josh fleming there because coming from three of his last five outings had just been miserable a com com complete disaster he turned it around last night uh going five and two thirds only allowing those two runs two punches so n not a lot of you know whiffing uh, happening there six hits i felt it was a great uh outing not only to give him the ball for, for that amount of innings, but also the amount of pitches, because you, you would have never expected uh, cash to be okay with, with throwing 101 from Fleming, but that's kind of that that's telling of where the rays are pitching wise, because it's, it, it, he was kind of league average, you know, in, in 101 pitches, he threw 62 for strikes. So maybe even a little bit right. less than, than league average uh, for his strike percentage. But uh, I, I feel like he grinded. He, he got the outs that he needed. I think it's an ego booster, all good things. I think from Josh Fleming last night.
Yeah, it was one of those things where you're up by a touchdown, basically. It's like, why not stretch Fleming out a little bit and yes. see what you can do? And he started to taper off towards the end a little bit. But it's if there's a team to bounce back against, if mm-hmm. you're Fleming or another pitcher that has a terrible outing, it's it's the Orioles. Let's be honest. And I think what they should do going forward, what they have to do going forward, I would think, is use an opener in front of Fleming just to disrupt the opposition's lineup construction and disrupt mm-hmm. the lineup of the team of, okay, we, we might sort of start to figure out Colin McHugh. And then all of a sudden the Rays and literally throw a curveball and bring it in the lefty Josh Fleming. <laughs> and I think that's what they have to do with him and maybe some others going forward. I mean, it's Michael Walker, for example, you want, Hey, you invented the opener. Why not use it? If you, if you get the chance and the opportunity. I don't um, I don't disagree with the Fleming uh, opener bit. I, I, I really do like that, especially the, the roster uh, or lineup construction rather with Waka. I think his numbers are way worse when he comes in in the middle of the game than he starts it. But you can just kind of make him be an opener, kind of like That's a one possible. time through the order guy. My point right? is it can't be any worse than it is right now. You might as well yes. throw the kitchen sink at the problem and see what can happen. But with Waka, we better see him with the Orioles. Like, if you're going to use Waka, yeah. you better use him against the Orioles because if he lets in four or five runs, you know that the Reyes can score five or six or seven against the Orioles bullpen or even the, the Orioles starter. So uh, I, I we better see some Waka in this Orioles um, series. It's a, it's a long one. But today with Rasmussen, man, he looked fine. Four innings last mm-hmm. night, uh, last time. So could he reach five? I don't think so. I wouldn't put money on it. I wouldn't go to a bet online that AG to put some money on Rasmussen going five, but it would be really nice if he can go uh, another four again. You're already moving on to today's starter and you don't even mention what Brett Phillips did last night inside the park Homer. I let you totally you. ignore that <laughs> him and KK. They really want that roster spot. They want that outfield Dude. roster spot. Yeah. for next year. And what's so funny about the whole, it's great that Brett Phillips got an inside the park Homer and he's just on a Homer streak right now, seemingly, but yeah. uh, I don't think he advances to home against any other team in a playoff race, but the Orioles, if the Rays were facing the white Sox or the red Sox or the blue Jays or insert the twins, even, I don't think, I think he hold Lenars gives him the hold sign. You're staying Context. at third. We'll we'll find a get we'll find a way to get you in. But it's the Orioles. Let's have some fun, guys. Let's really yeah. blow the door open. Context matters, man. And again, pump your stats up against the Orioles. Why not? And look, it was exhilarating to to see him going around the bases. It was exhilarating and very happy to to see him celebrate the way that he did. Uh, look, you gotta love Brad Phillips. You really do. And yeah. and that's a guy that you want to see succeed so badly. And comparing him with KK, I mean, the, the batting average, KK's got him. Uh, but if you look at everything else, the slugging, you you look at the OPS, you you look at the fact that uh, they both had an inside-the-park home run and Brett Phillips was faster. He ran out of the box immediately. While Kevin Kiermeyer thinking he's... True. I don't know if he thinks, he, he thinks he's Marcel Azuna or something like that. Like, any ball you hit... A deep fly ball, you should be running the bases because you're Kevin Kiermaier. There's no guarantee that ball is landing out of the park there. So And, and, and there's the guarantee. 
that you're Kevin Kiermaier, so you've got speed, so you could probably make it a home run anyway. So, yeah, he kind of dogged it for the first four seconds uh, of his thing, so maybe he could have beaten Brett Phillips, yeah. but whatever. The the finish line says Brett Phillips was faster, yeah. and that's what matters, man. Uh, speaking of homers, the Rays are seventh in all of baseball in home runs with 164. That's also third in the American League behind just the Blue Jays and the Twins. They're also third in all of baseball and runs scored in second in the American league behind the Astros. So who says that the Rays don't have firepower and that they don't have mm-hmm. a great offense. The numbers pretty much speak to the opposite of that. And that doesn't even include what uh, Nelson Cruz is and can bring to the table with all that. Uh, okay. We have over the next couple of days, a very special guest, long time, long time MLB scout, Charlie Aliano. Uh, he works for the Cincinnati Reds, but he is based and lives in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, I met him a couple of weeks ago and figured this could really be an interesting lesson in scouting and the game of baseball. And I mean, I don't know if there's a more fair term than baseball lifer for Charlie because he, <laughs> he grew up in the game, played the game, coached the game. Uh, scout of the game. He's done just a little bit of everything. He's worked with not only the Reds, but the Blue Jays, the Expos, the Brewers, the Astros, the Cubs. I think he coached in the Australian League as well. Just some great insights on scouting and some nice tidbits on the Tampa Bay Rays organization as well. Um, Ulysses, I don't want to toot our own horn here, but I think that the listeners, I know at least for ourselves in interviewing Charlie, that uh, it was a very beneficial baseball lesson, I would say. Oh, 100%. It was such an enjoyable, good 30, 40 minutes that we had with him. Uh, this is a guy that you would enjoy having a coffee with and just talking mm-hmm. baseball. I mean, if, if you if you enjoy talking baseball, this is this is the guy to, to go to. Uh, he even got me a, a, a little bit emotional, you know, uh, with some things that he said about the Winter League and, and his experiences in Venezuela. Um, yeah, it was it was a great experience. And I, I really hope that the listeners enjoy it as well. Yeah. Uh, before we get to the first part of that interview, we have to tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track it all at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC MMA action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prepare for their runs to the playoffs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, remember, use the promo code Locked On L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. That's Locked On to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at Bet Online. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And today we have a very special guest. Uh, Ulysses, we've had major leaguers on, we've had minor leaguers on, we've had MLB executives on, and I think uh, this is our first actual scout that we've had on, and it's Charlie Aliano, the scouting supervisor for the Cincinnati Reds. And if you're a listener, you're probably thinking, well, the Reds, you're a Tampa Bay Rays podcast. And that is true. But uh, Charlie lives in the Tampa Bay area. So there is a local connection there. Uh, Charlie, first of all, how are you doing today? Uh, are, are you 
I mean, I know the MLB draft is wrapped up. Are you already getting ready for, for 2022? Like what's the, the day in the life uh, right now for a scout? That's a good question, Kevin. Uh, it's unique, obviously. This is the most important time in the, uh, was the most important time of the year, which was the draft. Uh, we had an excellent draft with the Reds. Uh, it's now over and now we're preparing for 2022. And Charlie, you're assigned to the Carolinas, if I'm correct. Um, so what is that like for you living in the Tampa Bay area? How much travel do you have to do back and forth between the Carolinas, Tampa Bay, and back and forth, so to speak? Yeah, it, Kevin, it's difficult. Uh, obviously, we have someone that does this area. So I'm very familiar with North Carolina and South Carolina because I've had that position before. Uh, the driving is a lot uh, to get into my area. The main part of the area from my home is uh, at least seven and a half hours each way just mm -hmm. to start. So South Carolina to get to Columbia is about seven and a half hours without traffic. Wow. Um, yeah. Charlie, going back a little bit, I know, and I read a little bit of a bio on you. Can you just sort of outline your career working in baseball? If I understand it right, you've, you've done a lot of different things. You, you've held a lot of different roles and hats, and you've been in the game for a very long time as a player, a coach, a scout, just your journey and in, in your pathway throughout baseball. Well, to make it a uh, long story short, uh, started out early, uh, about 19, I was a player, obviously. And when my playing career ended, um, I got into high I was a high school coach in the 80s at Sawanica High School. Uh, the varsity coach wanted me to get involved, and I did. I played at Sawanica, where I did very well. And our uh, athletic director wanted me to get into coaching. Uh, got into coaching, coached till about 1989. I then took a position at Adelphi University as an assistant and also got my four-year degree from there. Uh, after that, I went to uh, uh, Queensboro Community College and became the head coach. Uh, was fortunate enough to help bring the team to the 1994 World Series, uh, then became the associate head coach at Columbia University, much different school, <laughs> going from community <laughs> college to the Ivy League. And then from there, I went to Fordham and I coached under Dan Gallagher for one year, who just passed away, a good friend and a good person. Um, got right into uh, the Toronto Blue Jays and my career started. I was hired in 1997. Wow. A lot, lot of stuff going on there. And uh, before we kind of get into the weeds of your job, your role in scouting the game. Um, I do have a sort of quasi raise related question. Um, Mike Zanino, his father is Greg Zanino. And if I recall last I checked, he works for the Cincinnati Reds in the scouting department. Um, how much involvement do you have with, with Greg and do you all collaborate and work together at all? Greg is my supervisor. Okay. <laughs> so basically I talk to Greg uh, a few times a week and he, he does what I've done. Uh, I've been a cross checker. He cross checks my players in the Carolinas. That's his territory. He lives in Cape Coral, but his territory is Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. So Greg, I'm 
I'm very involved in Greg and I've watched Mike play since he's 16 years old. Wow. And, and kind of following up real quick before I know Ulysses has several questions as well. Um, if you could kind of, cause maybe some of our listeners may not know this, but what exactly a scouting cross checker does. Greg, my job is to, to see and find the best players. Greg Zanino's job is to see my best players that I have. So if they're uh, roll four or five, which five is average, anything four or five and above, Greg Zanino comes in and sees those players. And then all he does is say yay or nay. Gotcha. It's pretty simple. Uh, <laughs> I, I bet it's a little bit more complicated than that, but I kind of want to, you know, dissect this a little bit. How many games per player in average are you seeing? So if you like this kid, kid A, kid John, okay, I like him, and you go and see him, how many times do you do you see him throughout that season? Well, it depends on how important he is to us, Ulysses. If we see this guy and we like him, then I might go mm -hmm. back as much as I do. And Javi Abaya is when I was the cross-checker. I saw Javi Abaya seven times that year with the Cubs. Oh, wow. So there's a player who's a spectacular player and, and uh, well-rounded. We went back on him, Tim Wilkin and I, oh, at least six to seven times. Because you're going to give – it really depends on how much money you're going to give him. The more money, right. the more times you better to see him because we better make sure this, this gold plaque up here is gold. Yeah. Okay. So if, if it's a really talented player, it could be six to seven games. So these kids – um, they they kind of have to bring their A game no matter what because it could just be the one time that you see them and if they struck out three times they didn't have a good day they didn't have a good breakfast then then that that's it right it could be anything I mean we've seen over my time doing these twenty three years now with the Astros the Brewers the Blue Jays the Cubs and the Reds I've had situations where a kid broke up with his girlfriend. And he's in high school. I mean, that's traumatic for yeah. a kid that age to lose his girlfriend. Or on the other end, maybe a, a family member passed away. And, and you have to know all that as an area scout because that's your job. Your job is to make sure this, this brass uh, uh, statue is brass. Because if it ain't brass and it, it's you know, zirconian as in diamonds, you're in trouble. It's true. Um, going back, you said 97 was when you got into scouting, correct? 1997. I got, I was hired in the winter in 97 by Toronto. Okay. So, so, you know, almost, uh, almost what 30 years uh, or coming into the 30 years. Long time. How, yeah. How, how have you seen that kind of change, uh, in analytics, you know, diving into the scouting department, the scouting realm, is that actually, have you seen a lot of changes or is it still really not something that, that has changed too much in the scouting department? That's a good question, Ulysses. Now, here's the key. In order to be successful in anything, you have to go through change. So you have to deal with change. And yes, it has changed. So someone like me who has a young exterior understands it, but the interior has to understand it as well. Right. So when you're looking at these players and, and speaking with different people, we have an analytics department. Uh, each team has an analytics department. Their job is to give us a heads up on guys that are doing really well that we might have missed. 
So as a team, which we are, we need to work together and bring it together. When I started, no, there was no, uh, there was, I, I'm going to make you laugh. There was no cell phones. There was, <laughs> right. we had to call the, your home to get the messages. You had to call with the message uh, for Toronto. We had a, a message, you had to put in codes and find out what's going on. And it, yeah, everything's changed. But again, uh, change is good. You know, it, you just need to adjust as a human being to what you're dealing with. And I think it's, when I started, it was more a guy would bang on the table. We got to have this player. Well, that's change. You, you can't be that person because society will not let you be that person. So you don't want to be in the position to be the elephant in the room. So you have to adjust. You know, Kevin, I like to do two things and that's save time and money. That's why I use Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? It just doesn't make sense, right? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could ever need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on on their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Wild Alaskan Company delivers high-quality, sustainably sourced, wild-caught seafood right to your door. You can choose from salmon, whitefish, or a combination, and every month there are different specials to explore. Each shipment contains premium, wild-caught, individually-wrapped portions of delicious seafood that's ready to prepare and easy to cook. Wild Alaskan Company seafood is how nature intended it to be always wild, never farmed or modified, and it contains no antibiotics. You can adjust, pause, or cancel your membership anytime, and they offer 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Get your nutrition from nature with Wild Alaskan Company, and right now you can get $15 off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB. That's wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB for $15 off your first box. Wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB. Make sure to use our URL to let them know that we sent you to the right place. Um, when you look at these players, uh, obviously, like we said, 24, 25 years doing this, how do you do you kind of gravitate towards a type of player? Like, do you do you like seeing on your on your sheet to 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 look at players? Oh, I get to see a right-handed pitcher today, or oh man, I get to see a slugger. Like, do you have a preference right now to scout on position players or pitchers, or do you just take talent for what talent is? I take talent for what it is, but I do prefer athletes. So I'd rather have that lean, athletic, projectable type player who I know mm -hmm. there's some upside, there's still more left than to have the guy who's already there. I mean, he's not going to get much better. He's a big, big guy, big, thick guy. He's probably not going to improve much. Uh, in regard to 
pitching and positional players. I like uh, infielders that have quick feet, good hands, good balance, and have the ability to make the, the simple play. On the pitching end, I like guys that throw strikes. And I know we're all looking for velocity, and Toronto does a great job. Uh, not Toronto. Uh, Tampa Bay does a great job of bringing those guys up, getting them to throw hard, and if they get hurt, they get another one. Yeah. Uh, we do something similar in Cincinnati. Uh, we do have a lot of guys that have good arms. It's just we're, we're in a similar market, but – I think they're more pitching oriented right now. I think mm-hmm. we're going to be that type of organization with Kyle Bodie here, who's an analytics uh, pitching genius. He's the guy everybody wants to be with driveline. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, we're similar, but we're more offensive and they're more pitching. If you go, if you watch the games, our scores are uh, pretty high. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> certainly. I, 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 Kevin, I, I actually want to kind of maybe not um, move away from the, the topic, but I want to get your perspective on something. You talk about quick hands, quick feet, or smooth hands, rather. Um, is there one, I don't know, talent, but maybe one tool off the field that you gravitate to when you're scouting a player? Is there something that's off the field that doesn't have anything to do with baseball that you go like, I like that. He does that. Is is there what is that one tool that you like to see on players that's not baseball related? That is an excellent question, and I'm asked that question by parents because I do hitting lessons as well uh, as my side uh, position. I like kids that are totally into what they're doing. So if you're doing baseball, I want you all in. Now, okay. obviously, in high school, I need you to do both. I need, you know, I have a daughter as well. Excuse mm-hmm. me. I have a daughter as well. And it's important that she focuses on academics. Right. Um, and that's number one. You know, God and family, academics, and then the sports is straight. But when you're looking at that player, you want the player that's totally entrenched and into what they're doing. That means they're working out. They're eating right. They're it's everything this is the you know and and this comes from countries i've been to venezuela dominican uh puerto rico they they're totally into the game that means everything comes together every day because they're really into it if you get a player that's halfway in and halfway out not sure if he wants to sign that's probably not a good mix for us with cincinnati we like the kid We like the Senzels in the world. We think Nick Senzel's got every tool, including that one. But the key to, to Nick is he's, he needs to stay healthy. But he's that guy here. Jesse Winker, Orlando kid. He's that guy here. So we have a few of those guys here that live and love the game. Mike Zanino loves the game. You see it. You're watching it. There's no Whatever you're seeing, there's no deception. Mike right. Zanino is what he is. And he got there because it's all day, every day, 100% baseball. And I mean, that, that's kind of a great transition, Ulysses, because I want to dig into the off the field, I guess, job responsibility for you, Charlie. Just the fact of how much is your job 
digging into a player's makeup and character? And how do you go about doing that? Is it talking to the parents, the teachers, teammates, all his coaches, counselors, just how do you go about, you know, finding what this guy really is all about and how important is that to, I guess your franchise, the Reds, and and you could probably speak to other franchises as well, since you've worked for some other ones too. You just answered most of your questions, by the way. (laughs) And and so they're excellent questions. The way we do it is there's no off season. If you're a good scout, there is not an off season. You don't have two months off. So if somebody says, I have two months off, I don't have to go back to what? No, you don't do that here. If you want to be really good at what you're doing and you want to sign good players and help your organization win at the end of the day, that's number one. You have to live it as much as the player lives it. That means if you can get in the kid's home, we obviously we weren't allowed by MOB rules to go into homes until later in the draft year this year. So I was only basically allowed to go in three or four homes, and I did. But we did mostly what we're doing right now. We did Zoom calls. So we're trying to base the kid on that. And now we got that information. If I go to a game, I saw a kid up in Raleigh this year that went in the first round, the high school player. I did all my homework. I met the football coach. I met the baseball coach. I met a teacher. All in one day at the school. And then I came back and did it again with different people. So you need to make sure that is what it is. Because as you have seen, uh, years ago, there was uh, there's been issues off the field with different players, and I don't want to bring up names, but there's been some serious issues with kids off the field, and then you find out too late. That's too late. <laughs> you already mm-hmm. gave him the money, you already gave him the opportunity, and now you're going to find out that he did something off the field that was illegal, or for the long in the long run, something that's going to hurt somebody in our organization or bring them down. You don't want to bring another kid down with one bad apple. Yeah. Is that tough to gain that access? I mean, is it difficult to go into a school and then, hey, I, can I talk to the history teacher for, for Timmy or yeah. whatever? Like, is that tough or are schools usually very open to, to give you that kind of access? Well, I just think you need to be being transparent and don't just come right at them. I mean, it's like, you know, you say hello to a girl, you meet her and you know, and it, it's a long conversation mm-hmm. or a long, you know, relationship before you get to know everything. So yeah. that's what we do as scouts. We try to build up a relationship with people. So they go, hey, it's Charlie Eliano. Oh, that's Frank Smith. Oh, that's Joe Smith. And then all of a sudden the relationship uh, helps you uh, find out what the person's really about. And I wanted to follow up on that a little bit, you know, in, in your view, Charlie, I mean, you've been in the game for such a long time and we hear these buzzwords a lot, like clubhouse chemistry. How important do you consider that to be a part of, I mean, I guess every team, but when you get to the major league level, the Reds, the Rays, a team like that, where um, you, you might have one of the best players in the league, but if nobody likes them on the team, just um, just that dynamic of, how important is it for the teammates to like one another uh, for, for 162 games a year, spring training and playoffs and so on? Yeah, that's a good, another good question. And you guys must be uh, really working it. <laughs> Doing a good <laughs> We're job. We're trying. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, 
as you know, I'm managing the Australia Baseball League with a short tenure. Uh, got off to a bad start. But uh, places I've managed before Pro Bowl uh, in college, the best teams I ever had cried after the last game. And what that means is they totally loved each other. I mean, totally loved the. I, I I've had teams the kids absolutely loved each other. And when that game ended, and we went in the room and talked about it, and I saw kids breaking down and biting their lip because they didn't want to break down, I knew the chemistry was there. We just came up short. Sometimes it's luck. Sometimes, like you saw what happened with Tampa Bay last year, anything could happen, mm-hmm. you know. But the way to find out about chemistry is that at the end of the game, the last game, you usually know exactly how much they really cared. Okay. We want to thank Charlie Aliano for joining us on today's show. Again, that's part one of our conversation with him. Part two will be dropping tomorrow with uh, some more great baseball insights and scouting information. That wraps up this edition of the Locked on Rays podcast. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episodes of the Locked on Bets and Locked on MLB podcast. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Stay safe and we'll talk to you tomorrow.